Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 50 for Friday 6th May 2011. Managing IBM collaboration tools. Does that mean Microsoft has had it right all along? This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash audible for all the details. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. We're back for episode 50. Yep, the big 5-0. We've been going for nearly a year. We'll talk about that a bit later. So I'm joined as usual by Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Hey, Stuart. What's 50? Is that gold? Diamond? What is it? <laughs> gold, I think. Okay, good. Quite so a significant it, anniversary. Diamond. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so how's life with you? It's been strangely quiet. So I always get worried when it's strangely quiet, but I, I go traveling again. I go out to Florida tonight, and then I'm, we're in the UK in two weeks. So I'm not quite as traveling as much as you are, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's good to speak to you, as always, on a Thursday for this week in Lotus. We're joined uh, once again by a panel of experts from around the community for a discussion this time about kind of admin topics, backup, recovery, management, monitoring, that kind of thing. So first of all, we're joined by Sean Burgess. Hello, Sean. Good morning. Good morning, Sean. How's life with you? Not too bad. I can't believe I'm on a comp- on a uh, podcast about admin topics. Oh, <laughs> you started it. Oh, you left. <laughs> I'm just compl- I'm just a developer who's complaining <laughs> about admin things that don't work correctly. <laughs> and there's no problem with that at all. We complain about development stuff that doesn't work properly all the time. <laughs> as that as de- as admins to complain about developers. Isn't it usually the development that causes the servers to crash in some way or another? Ooh, it, it, is, it is always cool. <laughs> Sean, tell us about your company and what you do. Um, I, I'm with a small, small, small company called ASND Designs. Um, uh, your normal domino shop. Uh, lots of lots of development. Some admin if you want it. Uh, government and small business clients within the uh, DC Baltimore area. That's Washington. Excellent. It's, it's great to have you on the podcast. Used to hearing you on somebody else's podcast. What's what's happening these days with the 1352 report? Are we going to get more of those? I, I would love to. It's just We just seem to all be really, really busy. It's tough to get us all together. Um, I'm blaming Jess because it's all her fault. <laughs> okay, we'll bring that up with Jess at a later date. Good to, good to have you on, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Also joined by Chris Wissenden. Hi there, Chris. Morning, Stuart, or afternoon for you. 
How are things? It is, yeah. We're just into the afternoon. It's, it's really good, thank you. Uh, it's Great. good to have you on the podcast. Tell us uh, what you do for, for Group Business Software and how long you've been working there and that kind of thing. I'm a Lotus consultant with Group Business Software. I've been there uh, coming up right about four years. I started at Lotus 911 four years ago, and we were acquired by Group Business Software about a year and a half ago. Um, Mostly do consulting for external customers, uh, support pretty much anything Lotus on almost every operating system IBM supports. And I've spoken at Lotus Fear and Common conferences before, and also am the lead and primary administrator of the Bleed Yellow services, which many of you may use that. Yeah, I was going to say, many of us know you through through that service, through the connection service that um, that GBS run. Um, I mean, is connections the main sort of uh, technology you work with these days, or are you still doing work with, with Notes and Domino and other Lotus technologies? Primarily, I deal with uh, Notes and Domino and same time. Okay. Uh, do some connection stuff and quicker, of course, but uh, that seems to be what I primarily focus on. Brilliant. Sounds a good mix. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah, we also have Sharon Bellamy. Hi there, Sharon. Good afternoon. I have a cold, so sorry if I sound rubbish. That's a change how. <laughs> Thank you very much, Darren. I love being on here with you. <laughs> Sharon, many of many folks will, will know you from previous podcasts, but do you want to fill us on on, on what you do uh, regarding Lotus Technology? Um, yep, I work at City University in London, and I look after everything that has an IBM Lotus or Tivoli um, tag attached to it in some way, shape, or form. Um, currently, the only thing I don't look after is Domino, but I believe that I may be getting our Domino servers in the near future, so that's a new bit of technology for me to rebrush up on. Um, and we're a very big WebSphere and uh, heavy connections user. Excellent. Well, it's great to to have you on the show once again. Um, uh, you you look after both kind of admin of, of existing services as well as as well as um, deploying new ones, don't you, for for City? That's right. Yep. Basically, anything that we get that's uh, IBM in any way, shape, or form comes to me, and I work out what we're going to do with it. Well, thanks for joining us today. Also due to be joined by Dave Hay out of IBM. He's uh, had to drop off to deal with some other stuff, but he'll be back on a bit later on. So don't be surprised if he pops up in the conversation. So um, today's episode is, as I mentioned at the beginning, all about admin uh, topics, really backup, recovery, uh, management, and monitoring of of, te- of technologies. Um, this kind of came up, Sean, because of a conversation we had earlier on in the week. Do you want to kind of fill us in on, on what the issue was you were having and, and you know kind of where you got with it? So I have a client that has been, you know, uh, deploying connections, uh, using it a great deal, and, and trying to um, promote it within the business community to get them to use it for business critical and stuff. Well, we had a new user um, delete a community that he should prop that he was the owner of, but. A significant amount of time went into the community, put up a lot of files and a lot of information into a wiki, and then he hit delete, and the question was, okay, how do we get it back? And the, there was some resounding silence from my <laughs> And And you, you asked the question on Twitter, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah, and there was I, probably a bit of silence there, too, because I saw the question, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Look and then silence from everywhere. 
um, I reached out to some of my IBM folks, and and the the one one answer was, well, you really have to know Waz. I'm like, that's not a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird because you know this is this is really really nice technology, but. Even if I have a stupid little file server out there, if I delete a file or if somebody deletes a backset or somebody deletes it maliciously, I can have an administrator go to the last backup, put it back out there, and we're done. We're rolling and rock and rolling. And if we can't do something similar in the connections world, then we really can't put business critical information out there. And Sean, I know you've had a similar problem. Do you want to just, just quickly run through what the issue was you had? Yep, um, we had a important community running for the vice chancellor, who's basically the C, the god of our university, put out um, a consultation about how we see things working in the next two or three years. And there was a discussion forum on there with questions, answers, and a lot of feedback about how people would like to see the university going in the next two or three years. And the administrator of the community deleted the forum without having a copy of any of these questions now he only deleted the forum and he did say to me it said it was going to delete it but i didn't think it was actually going to delete it because you know this guy's not stupid so um but how do you delete just a forum widget and the quickest way for me to do this was to take the latest snapshot of the database, restore it, and then build a single standalone connections instance to plug into that database and get the guy to go and recover his stuff, which took me two days. But that was by far the most simplest way of doing it because I could not work out how to just put that forum back in. So this is, is kind of where we are with, with some of the connection stuff. And we'll get back into this towards the end of the podcast, what we do with these new kind of complex lotus technologies where we have a mixture of WebSphere and HTTP servers and back-end databases, whether it's Oracle or, or DB2 or, or SQL Server, and how we deal with some of that backup and recovery issues. But if, if we draw back down to the, the, the basics of where many of us on this call have come from, which is Notes and Domino, um, it's kind of something we've all had to deal with uh, for many years, how we protect our uh, notes and domino servers, how we back them up, how we recover them. Darren, do you want to kick us off? Is is there any kind of um, you know basic knowledge you can pass on to, to new folks that are dealing with notes and domino in terms of how you've dealt with, with backup and recovery in the past, if there's any gotchas you've had to deal with? Well, to kind of go back a bit to, to Sean's point, it took IBM an awful long time to stop the default ACL on a mail file being a manager. So how, we've all had users delete their own mail files. Um, this is nothing new. And it's another case of left hand, right hand. You know, IBM hasn't learned from the mistakes. That, yes, I may be able to create these communities in these mail, mail files, damn sure I should never be able to delete them without some kind of process beyond the, a message that says, are you sure you want to delete in parentheses, don't really believe this, just hit OK. Um, so th there are some things. One, I think IBM needs to address this. They need, they need to put in a process where not just anyone can delete communities, can delete NSFs, anything like that. Uh, and then looking back as well, I think it was, was it the Back end of R4 when uh, we got transaction logging added to Domino, 
which back then had a bit of a, a bad rep, might have been R5, I can't remember now, I'm sure my age. Um, and, and transaction logging at least enabled us to do some type of granular backup and, and, and recovery. So, you know, I think it's time for, for IBM to take the lessons they learned with Domino and with uh, TSM and, and maybe morph them over the, to the WebSphere kind of environment and, and, and keep, you know, pushing this forward because we, we can't really take two days to, to build a temporary connection server just to restore some data. Now on Domino, that would maybe take us 20 minutes, so it's not a big deal, but on WebSphere, you need the hardware and everything. So Chris, you, 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 you work in, in, in the Domino world predominantly, and you've, you've built one of probably the best known connections installations on, on the planet. W where do you see the differences and, and maybe what needs to come for connections in order to put it at least on parity with IBM, or at least on, with Domino? Sure. One of the things I would like to mention is that with connections, most of the actual user information is stored in the database, whether that be DB2 or Oracle. And with that, one of the things you want to do when you set up the system is enable archive logging on those databases so that you can roll forward from a restore to a particular point in time, just as you would be able to with Domino with transaction logs. Um, that's one of the first things I do once we set up a new database server is establish a backup, whether that be most, most of the time it's just to disk on the server and then the customer would be responsible for how they want to get that over to a tape drive or anything else. Uh, I did last year and even this year, group business software has been doing a group learn series where we have admins or developers share tips and tricks and everything. Uh, one of those we did last year, I can provide a link later so we can put it in the notes, was on same time and the new administration options and how to set it up with the new 8.5 because that's kind of a mystery to old school Domino people. But um, one of the things I did discuss in my section of it was the detailed steps on how to enable logging and set up a backup schedule for the DB2. So I think that would be valuable as a first step. At the same time, I definitely agree with you that recovering something in connections or uh, same time or quicker for J2EE would be pretty difficult, uh, possibly with connections even more so because let's say someone deletes a community with a wiki, with a blog. Now you're not talking about just one database that you have to restore some rows and tables. You're talking about you know three to four or five databases that could possibly have been changed with the data removed. So there's a, there is a lot that you would have to do. And thankfully I haven't had to do a restore, uh, especially at a document level or which I guess a community pretty much is a document. <laughs> so that, let me ask you a question. Does virtual environments play into that making more difficult or less difficult? Um, I think in some respects it might be a little little more difficult um, and in some respects it could be simpler um, it, it just depends on how you're backing things up if you're using the native uh, lotus backup which would be you know calling the backup command for websphere or running native db2 backups and that's good but if you're trying to rely on uh, third party or vSphere or something to do the backups of the virtual machine itself then you could potentially risk losing data just as you would with Domino. 
if you try to back up data while the Domino servers are live without using API compliant software. And and I think that's the point, Sean, right? Is is I think everyone gets kind of enamored by by VMware and virtualization, but I think from a, a DR standpoint, from a disaster recovery, when you have nothing except bare iron, then VMware is really going to save your bacon. But yes. it seems it seems on all of these other type of recovery scenarios where I want to recover a single document in a single domino database, or I need to restore a community, or I need to restore a document in quicker, you know, good luck. You roll the dice, pray to whatever deity you may believe in, and you may or may not ever see that information ever again. Oh, yes. he just... It, it, seems, it seems that all the, the disaster recovery is basically for disasters only. It's not for day-to-day, hey, I deleted this by accident, or hey... You know, somebody got pissed off because they got fired and went ahead and deleted the community. I'm with you there, Sean, because all of my stuff runs on VMware. And and this is, you know, I'm 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 a big VMware fan, but I don't think this is VMware's problem to fix. I think it's 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 the vendors of either the backup solutions and of all the products. You know. Oh, I, I agree. It's 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 not VMware. I just was wondering if it ran it because it doesn't matter if you're running it on on a real server or not. The fact that it, to most IBM admins, um, it is uh, a black box of enablers. Sharon, are you having a party? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I'm not having a party. There seems to be some kerfuffle going on at the other end of the office. Sorry. It's all going this university. What the hell is a kerfuffle? <laughs> It's, it's a British thing. <laughs> it's, Amer- it's it's English for party. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, going back to Domino Notes, I, you know, whatever technology you use for backup, and you know, and, and we're talking these days about modern kind of transaction logging, um, you know, with roll forward recovery to the point in time where we have an issue. Now I've used TSM and Backup Exec to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, we're only ever dealing with a database or a series of databases, and that typically is a user's mail file or a, you know, team room or whatever that, that can be dealt with independently. And, and the joy of that is that you can restore it into a, a new file name or into a different server and then just copy back the documents. And so, you know, that, that's always been a real strength of Lotus technology. And I know that um, Ed has talked about on his blog in terms of being a competitive advantage over Exchange is that we don't have this kind of massive store for all our users, it's just individual databases. Uh, and what I don't kind of get is is why IBM and Lotus have been so happy to move away from that real strength in terms of admin uh, and in terms of upgrading of Domino to something that is clearly so much more complex and so much more difficult to manage. Uh, anybody else kind of got that concern? It, it seems strange that... that that they haven't focused on closing some of those holes that that have always been the strength of Domino Notes when we moved to this new technology. It wasn't the strength of Note Three. <laughs> even back then, it was no, no. Even back then, it wasn't an issue because you still had a single file for every database. So, although the backup technology back then was atrocious, you know, if you wanted to do a restore. You could put it on a, a regular file server and get to what you needed to get to. It didn't have to be on a Domino server to be able to access what you want. Oh, okay, yeah, that that that's 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 a fair point. Um, exactly. You could just open in your notes client and copy a document back into an NSF, and you're done. 
Yeah, and and that is a fair point, Stuart. And and I and, and Stuart makes a very good point that you know a single instance storage mechanism, which Domino is, I think, is a lot easier to restore than any type of relational database. Now, one thing I will say is, you know, there's a lot of work gone in over the years on the Exchange side of a house to be able to restore a single given email at any point in time to a user's mail file, and we still struggle with that today in in, in Domino to do that. So it's it's almost like the you know they've ignored. The, the, the feature comparison going on, on both sides of, of, of the house here. So I think they've even sat on their laurels on, on the domino side and, and Deos kind of just throws even more confusion on, on that fire for some people. So I think it's getting more difficult in domino, not easier, but I, Stuart has a valid point that not having a relational table and multiple different tables, in fact, inside a connection, there's not even one table, you know, God knows what happens if you delete a user and you need to restore an actual user. Well, I mean, it's it, it, I, I don't do administration in exchange, so I have no idea how I know how bad it used to be. I have no idea what they've made um, inroads on on being able to uh, make it easier. But how much hardware and software does it take to actually get to be able to do that single email restore? It's just a backup exec license right now. Backup exec doing that, yeah. but then again, that's the that's the backup exec vendor doing it, not Microsoft and not IBM. But but Microsoft, well, at that at that level, Microsoft provide the APIs for the backup vendors to, to touch into. Now remember here, you know, IBM cover you know all pillars of, of of everything here, so IBM's in the either precarious position or the advantageous position of being able to write the backup software to do whatever they want to do, and they seem to be kind of ignoring that. Well, who use, who actually uses an IBM backup product? Well, I don't use TSM, so I'll, I'll step out of this conversation. <laughs> well, I, I spent several years doing mainly TSM work, actually, back in the late 90s, so I've kind of got a, a strong background in that, although I don't do very much of it these days. And, um, and a lot of my customers do use TSM, although probably um, Net Backup is probably the, the favorite one amongst the customers that I work with these days, the large organizations. Um, but I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think you, you raised an interesting point is that I, IBM clearly has an advantage here. You know, at, we've been talking the last few weeks about how one of the strengths of IBM is this you know, vast IBM software portfolio um, and how they have solutions for almost every you know, business need. Um, and therefore, they should be able to back this stuff up better than anybody else can. You know, it's not like Microsoft having to rely on you know, Veritas or somebody else to back up their stuff. IBM should be able to manage and monitor Lotus technology better than anybody else can because they clearly can, you know, get developers to talk to each other. So you would have thought their backup tools and their management tools would be, you know, class of the field. Well, that's an but, assumption that, they, that the people within IBM actually talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. I mean, I think, look, look, go on. I was just going to say that I think this comes back to something that Sharon said in her introduction is that, you know, she said that she's kind of the IBM Lotus person there at City University and you know, anything, anytime anything IBM comes in, it gets thrown at her. And I yeah. think, I think that's a problem here because if you're a Domino administrator and your company wants to get connections or same time or whatever that runs on WebSphere, you may have never touched WebSphere or DB2, but now you're all of a sudden a DBA, you're a application server administrator, and you're doing all the administration for Domino as well. So I, I think a lot of times companies throw this software in and just expect that their Lotus person will handle it and they don't 
maybe send them off to proper training, not just for connections, but for Oracle or DB2? No. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really lucky, though, because I've had... Um, I used to work for a business partner and I've had a lot of um, experience of WebSphere commerce. So I understand the complexities of all the database bits that go on underneath connections. But that's only because I've been there and I've been shared the commerce pain of of database relationships and tables and and all the different triggers and, and the way that they talk to each other. But even for me, having done commerce for, I don't know, six or seven years, the, because connections is so complex, I struggle to work out which tables relate to which tables and what triggers what. So even having a lot of database background, I still have no idea sometimes where to find where the problem is or how to restore mm-hmm. something. So um, someone's got to think carefully, I think, about how how we go about so Sharon, do you think that that issue just um, illustrated is about lack of documentation or is it about lack of training or is it about the lack of tools in terms of how you manage these different databases and the, and the links between them? It's probably a bit of all three, to be honest, because, I mean, obviously most large organisations have a team of DBAs, which we have here. But our DBAs understand the database from a, oh, this is my database, this is how I look after the database at the database level. They don't care about the applications that have got the tables in the database or how the relationship between those tables works. Our DBAs know nothing about how the connections databases work. They just look after the database, not the stuff that runs on it. So, I mean, if I hadn't had a lot of experience from the commerce side, and anything happened, I wouldn't have a clue where to look because there is nowhere that tells you what tables relate to which other tables. Whereas that's the one thing, I don't like to keep banging on about WebSphere Commerce, but that is what they've done really well. They've documented what tables relate to which other tables. So if you do have a problem, you can go and look it up. But even if you had the tables, is it still quote unquote so complicated that it would still need some type of tooling in order to restore the thing that you had to restore, Sharon, and also the thing that Sean was asking about, which kind of kicked off this entire podcast. Um, from my experience, definitely yes. Um, because, I mean, connections will run on pretty much anything, won't it? It will run on DB2, it will run on Oracle, it will run on SQL, Um you know, so and each one is each database is different. Although it's a database, a database is a database. They're all subtly different. Um, so yeah, some kind of tooling because the way that we do our backups here, I can't get a single table or a single file out. We have to restore the whole database. Yeah, back to DR again, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. No, and I think we've all got a pretty good understanding of how DR works. Now, I, I think any, any of us that deal with connections or same time, 8.5 or whatever, can understand how we cope with losing all our servers in one go. And then we have good backups. It's how we deal with those more tricky kind of partial restores yeah. that are the issue. It's got to the point now where unless um, um, if it's an individual file, it's a case of, sorry, you've lost it. I hope you've got a copy because it's easier to do that than it is to go through the pain of trying to work out exactly how and when they deleted said file and trying to get it back. 
which is harsh on the users and not very fair, I think. Just remove the delete key from your keyboards when you give them these PCs. <laughs> yeah, that would work. <laughs> so if we if we look at kind of this uh, a little bit more kind of abstract layer, is 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 it? Yeah, it would be one. Would one of the workarounds be just to have kind of soft delete in the same way as we we kind of moved to with Notes and Domino, where you know when a user deletes a, a mail, it just goes into their, their trash folder. They can get it back, you know, up to a certain expiry period. Would that be the way to deal with connections? So when a user deletes stuff, it just you know sits in a trash can for a month, and then you know the admin can pull it back if they need to. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. I would also like to see something along the lines of, you know. It gets deleted from the end user's uh, interface, whether it be like a whole community. But you know, absolutely nothing happens on the back end. Um, so that if we need to, it's just a simple flag to turn it back on, so everybody can see it again. But I think with the integrated search stuff, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that it's because of the complexity of the way that it's like eleven. Is it 11? Yeah, 11 different applications kind of blocked together to make one big mm -hmm. one. It's still 11 separate apps, so the search will search across 11 separate apps. It's not one It's not one piece of software. Right. At the same time, too, to go back to Stuart's question about a trash bin or whatnot, that is what IBM's implemented for activities because you can delete an activity and go back and look at your deleted activities. Yeah, it has that trash. And mm. you can go back into the trash and bring it back. And in admin, you have to run stuff on the back end to actually delete it and run the Westphere task to do that. And I'm sure I'm sure that was implemented because it happened too many times where it got deleted and needed to be brought back at IBM. So they implemented that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but it gets interestingly complicated on, on a recursive level because we're not only talking about 11 applications – we're also talking about widgets added inside of a whole slew of applications. And then yeah. you, so, you know, mm -hmm. the level of complexity that I think they've managed to create here is, is kind of impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and you also have to add to it the fact that they stick files out on a file server. Exactly. Yeah. I think the problem that we see most here is people removing things from a community and expect the because it's part of a community, they just expect it to belong somewhere else um, which isn't always the case so so when they delete a file or the files widget or maybe the forums widget within yeah. a community they would expect it still to be found outside that community exactly even though it's not because it's the community because it was created inside the community as opposed to external and added in yeah yeah we see that a lot as well so i'm, I'm going to bring in dave hay here who's uh, rejoined the call and um, Dave, I'm not going to put you on the spot. You are the token IBM on this call. I'm not going to ask you to speak for IBM. I know you can only speak for yourself. But you, you do quite a lot of connections work, don't you, for customers. Are these kind of concerns that, that you see customers having? And if so, kind of how do you approach it as part of your ISSL project teams? So thanks, Stuart. Thanks for um, letting me back into the call. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's one of these things that there's no one simple answer to how you manage and, the, and back up and restore these environments, it does tie to a number of things. You mentioned training or training was discussed earlier on. The fact that the product name or the brand may link people's minds to one thing or another. So you hear the word Lotus connections, you might think, well, it's Lotus, therefore the Domino guys can do it. Now, I know that's been covered in previous twills about 
you know, brand name changes, etc. So I'm not going to go there. But the, the broader point, I think, is it does reflect the fact that a lot of the portfolio, a lot of the things that I work on, a lot of things we all now work on, are not just core notes, domino solutions, and that the the more I hate to use the word complex, but the more complex architectures have come into play. So we've got a lot more things, a lot more moving parts, a lot more buttons um, to touch. And therefore, there's more chances that, um, you know, you, you've got things that can change or things that can go wrong. But you do need to think about, and we, we do this when we do the resourcing, for example, for a project. We think, okay, well, in order to implement IBM connections, we have... A number of moving parts we've got to think about everything from the front end through the you know the web server load balancer caching proxies reverse proxy security layer all the way through to the back end infrastructure components such as the database the shared storage the vmware esx server or whatever we're running the environment on and the email integration and all the other back end systems we might be talking to and you know connections is a great example of something that Yes, you can implement connections on a single box. Guess what? You're never going to do that. And therefore, there's always going to be lots of potential moving parts, each of which will have its own set of um, skills and expertise. So, you know, whether it's DB2, whether it's Oracle, whether it's Exchange, Domino, Active Directory, Typically Directory Server, you know, I could go on and on and on and on and on. There are a lot of things that can that you need to be considered, both in terms of skills and also in terms of, of what Sharon was saying about the backup and recovery. And unfortunately, I don't think it's as simple as just saying, well, we'll restore that database table. And if we understand which um, schema in which table, we can get the user's data back. Because chances are there'll be something else that's changed or that needs to be restored in parallel, be it a file on a file system, a shared file system, be it an entry in the LDAP directory, be it something in the user's profile that might be touched by connections internally or by TDI. There's lots of things to think about. And you know, again, I'm, I'm coming up with the problem statement rather than the solution. But it does really, it shows to me, and I'm, I'm, as I said to you before, I'm kind of an outsider in that I'm not, I didn't come into Lotus with Notes and Domino. I came to Lotus when Portal moved across from the WebSphere brand. So lots of these topics have always been, you know, in my mind, even when I was working with WebSphere Application Server back on the uh, AS400 platform. There's lots of things to touch and lots of things to move and lots of things that we need to have skills and training and experience and policies and practices for. It's not just about the, well, it's Lotus Connections or it's Lotus Quicker or it's WebSphere Portal. There's a lot more things to move and to think about. So have we coded ourselves into a non-specific item restorable product? In my opinion, Darren, yes. Because what we've got is, again, you know, let's use connections because it's a subject close to all of our hearts. If you think about when a user creates some data in connections, that, can, that data can be in one or many of many different places. So it could be, as I said before, it could be something in their uh, profile, which is probably on a database somewhere, but it could be back in an LDAP server somewhere. It could be back up in a, um, a you know, PeopleSoft, HR-type system. It could be a file. It could be a shared file on a file system. It could be something to do with their email system. So there's no, so many things that a user touches when they use connections that are sitting in, in one of many different places. And therefore, we don't have a single... It's not just like restoring a document in a notes database. You know, we're, we're way past that in terms of the level of uh, 
sophistication. How about that? That's a better word than complexity. Sophistication. <laughs> you should uh, be a marketing, Dave. Absolutely. Give it, bring <laughs> it on. Give me the challenge. So, so, so basically what we're saying is that Web 2.0 has been made so easy for the end users that it's ultimately impossible to make them make the backups work. I wouldn't say impossible. I would say um, it's it's again. You, you reuse my word sophisticated. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts, which means that one backup solution, one single vendor's backup solution, whichever vendor it is, may not out of the box. You have to cover every single potential moving part. Now, I'm, I, I don't know enough about TSM versus EMC versus CA versus you know, five other. Yep. Product. So backup and recovery isn't something I do or know about as much as perhaps I should or could. But I would say that you, it's something that needs to be in the design if there's a requirement to have that level of data backup and restore, more importantly, data restore, then it's something that we will be designing for in the solution when we implement it. Even if it wasn't in an individual product, we'd want to make sure it's covered off. But I do well, agree that there's still work to be done. There's still room for improvement at the solution level. When wouldn't that be part of the solution? I agree. No, I, I, I agree with you. But what I'm, what I'm saying perhaps badly is, is that something that should be covered by one of the products within the solution, given how many things that we get deployed when we put connections in, some of which are IBM, some of which may not be. You know, as, as Sharon said, it could be Oracle. It could be Sun LDAP. It could be running on um, maybe Solaris. You know, there's, there's so many potential vendors, uh, bits of kit involved that it'd be very hard for, I guess, for IBM to say, well, we'll include a sophisticated end-to-end backup solution for connections data, given where that data might be residing. But I do agree it's something that needs to be covered off when we, and by we, I mean us, IBM, and the partners, anybody who's implementing this software, needs to be considering within their design. Sean, what was your uh, eventual resolution? There isn't one yet. It's okay. still ongoing. And the, the, whole, the biggest problem is that, you know, when we ask IBM about how we should go about doing this, it's the silence. So there's no documentation. Even if it's the most difficult thing in the world to do, there at least needs to be some documentation around it. Mm. A, a big red wiki article in big red writing that says, do not delete stuff. <laughs> and and I, I think this is where we have the real challenge is that you know, are, are we saying you know moving to social collaboration means effectively we need to tell our users that you know any data is not delete you know is not recoverable so you know if you deleted something on um, I don't know a Dropbox or in some kind of you know social tool like Twitter so you delete a tweet can you get it back well, almost certainly you can't and the terms of services terms of service are such that you probably that that's written into it that there is no backup recovery so are we just saying that social tools equal that kind of level of of, um, of service to users in terms of recovering stuff or are we saying that actually this is an enterprise IT solution that we should still expect to be as manageable as all the stuff we've managed over the last 20 years, and therefore IBM needs to step up to the um, you know to the plate in terms of making it easier to manage? And I do understand what you were saying, Dave, in terms of some of those you know large enterprises like IBM, like some of the, the large customers we work with, have these different levels of, of admin people that can look after this and think about it and plan the infrastructure to manage it. But for every one of those, there's also an SMB who is 
struggling with how they do this kind of new social tooling. So um, my concern is how do we make it easier for them to do social in-house or, or are we just saying that social is just really difficult to manage and that's the way it is? I don't think size is an issue here because the client that's having the problem is a really big client that has a really big IT infrastructure in the back end and they're still struggling. I, I was yeah. going to say I, I would agree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be saying that you know this is something that smaller clients shouldn't be concerned about, or that bigger clients have covered off. Because I, I think the answer is that neither is the case. So I think it's something that it, it's as I you know to, to reuse my marketing lexicology of earlier on. It's an opportunity. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's, it, it, there is a gap. Whether the gap should be filled by a single vendor or you know, with a product or a suite of products, whether it should be filled by. Uh, a services offering or an asset, whether it should be filled by documentation such as perhaps a red book. Um, I don't yet have the answers, but I think that it's, it's, it's an opportunity. It's, it's a piece of work that, that needs to be done. And until we started this conversation going, this meme, I think is the word, going a few weeks back, I thought, hmm, actually, this is a really, really good, interesting point. And Sharon's point about commerce is, is well made because they've been there and done that and had this level of discussion around commerce, we've covered it to a small degree with Portal and with WCM, I think that there's an opportunity there for connections and maybe it's something that our ISV partners might want to think about. So here we go. I'm going to steal Darren Duke's bad cop hat just for once. <laughs> right, I remember Thank at Lotus 2004 asking the workplace guys how we were going to manage this stuff, how we were going to recover a file out of workplace collaboration services, how we were going to recover a mailbox in workplace messaging or whatever it was back then. And, and it feels like we haven't moved on from then and that's the bit I don't get is that seven years later we're still talking about the same issues that that's the bit that I find strange because they've spent the last seven years trying to put the same product in front of us just under a different name Stuart they haven't done any work on the back end wow (laughs) (laughs) I up your bad cop I just think that I don't understand how you can sell a platform like this, call it enterprise level, and not have a restore plan. No. Just, On the what? Go on. It's, 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 just, it's, it's just, it just boggles my mind because it's being sold, and rightfully so, and I'm selling it as much as anybody else internally, that you know we want to run our business on this. I want to run any projects I'm working internally on my activities. I want to put any files that everybody needs to use up on here in my communities so that everybody can get the share. But if somebody, let's say it's not even somebody doing it accidentally. Let's say somebody gets malicious and they're just tired of dealing with what they want to deal with and goes through and blows away a bunch of stuff. Are we saying that, I'm sorry, you can't get it back because somebody you know, got mad and, went and took their ball and went home? And, and I think that was my point at the beginning, right? When I, when I kind of mentioned the whole people deleting their own mail files in Domino. Why, why are we letting people delete entire communities? Even if they create them, why are we letting them delete them? No, that you should know, be an administrative thing to delete them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked, but still. And Stuart is perfectly right. We haven't moved on from 2004, and I'm not sure. We, I need to do some looking on this, but I, I'd be interested to know if this is a relational database backend application issue for everybody, or whether this is just leveled at, at, at connections and, and, and quicker J and, and same time to an extent. 
I bet you it's an everybody thing. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just an IBM Lotus thing. But at the same time, I think IBM should at least provide some type of plug-in to TSM that you can use to recover any IBM products. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Okay, if you're working in SAP and you delete a record, how hard is it to get back? Because your business runs on that. That's got to be available to them. I, I believe it just flags the object as, as archived or deleted and doesn't show it in the UI, as I believe, but don't quote me on that. Then why don't we do that in connections? That's what I say, is just flag the object or whatever it is. And this goes back to, I'm getting a bit geeky here, right? But it's very difficult to create an object in a relational database without doing an awful lot of object relational mapping. So it's not always as easy as just setting a flag to one. But, you know, that would be the, the benefit, right, is on the back end, show me as administrator all the stuff that's been deleted and don't include it in the index. Now, I'm pretty sure that's a bit harder than my 140-character definition of that. It's, it's doable because they do it in commerce because you can mark a product that's not active and it, you, the user can't see it. It's not in the UI. It doesn't appear in any inventory. It doesn't appear in any searches. But the admin can still see it when they go in. So it is doable. And then how, how do you get Sorry rid of it? Sorry to keep going on about commerce. No, it's fine. How, how, how do you get rid of it completely? Is, is there then kind of a second stage process to actually delete yep. it? There is, a, there, is a, there is a second stage command level line process to remove, to actually physically delete a product. But only someone with the correct level of access can do that. So it's like the nuclear football then, right? You need two keys. Yeah, but but of course it isn't just in the database. That just removes it from the database. That won't remove any files associated with that from the file system. You have to go and delete those as well. So it is a two case. It is a it is a two case thing. It'll be the same for connections as well. But at least that's been done and it's been kind of it's, it has been documented. It's not great, and the documentation did get better, but it took a long time to get to that point. But, 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 it is but, but connections files isn't that big of a deal. I mean, we're doing that today with Domino with Deos. Did it did it increase the complexity of a, of a Domino backup? Yes. I now no longer just backup an NSF. I now backup an NSF and a file store. But you know, the proviso being, if I'm backing up my my, my DB2 database, which has a file pointer to a file, surely I should be able to run a command in WebSphere on the back end that says. These are the files that need to be restored because they are missing on the file system but are referenced inside of files inside of connections. Take this file, pump it into your backup, and dump it back out of the file system while you're done. And I, I it, think it shouldn't be that difficult. You're talking like a developer, not an admin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes back to managing the application as an application versus managing it as a series of technologies which is kind of how we do it today you know if you want to make changes to you know the web the web server you go to the http.d.conf if you want to make changes to um, the web sphere stack you go into you know the um, isc console or you do ws admin commands if you want to make changes to the database you have to go through whatever database control you know, console you have and and there's nothing that ties all those things together and you know dave's mentioned a few times the apis within the product to manage that but they're fairly simplistic at the moment i don't think they go deep enough to doing some of this stuff and the thing that i've been banging on about with connections for the last couple of years is there is no 
admin console that looks after the whole suite as a whole, whether it's, you know, in terms yeah. of adding users, whether it's in terms of managing communities or, you know, whatever. There's no central place to go for that. And, and that, for me, is, is the bit that needs to work. And, and, and then we can then look at how we then manage backups and stuff. But unless we start managing it as a integrated application, then we're not going to see the other bits improve, I don't think. And if I'm buying a solution, surely, which IBM is selling now, right? Because IBM don't sell products, right? So they sell solutions. Surely if I'm buying a solution, part of that solution should be able to restore distinct, intricate pieces of information back into said solution. Yes. And and I think to monitor too, I think that's the other piece is that, um, you know, we're talking about backup recovery a lot today, but also, you know, if you start having a performance issue with, you know, and again, it goes across the different products, quicker J, same time, connections. Where do you go to work out where that problem lies? Where's the bottleneck? Is it the database? Is it, you know, the, the WebSphere cluster? Is it, you know, deployment manager? Is it um, HTTP server? There's all these different pieces that are moving, and somehow you need to kind of tie those together, not just from backup recovery point of view, but also from a monitoring and management and control point of view as well. But isn't that why we get paid the big money? <laughs> you do? You may get really? paid the big money. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, Stuart, I mean, just picking up on that um, monitoring piece, if it was a, perhaps a so-called ideal world where everything in the solution was from one single vendor, then, yeah, you might well be right. It may be that there, there could be a Uber monitoring tool that will monitor everything from your edge servers all the way through to your database servers. But as I said earlier, and as we've all said, you know, you take connections, chances are it won't be deployed with everything blue under the covers. You know, I mean, Sharon, I think you use Oracle, you run it on Windows. Yeah. You know, if we were running everything on OS 400 or on AIX, then it would be a little bit of an easier challenge. But given that most environments are running across a multitude of different, what's the word, heterogeneous, there you go, a heterogeneous architecture, do you expect the one single vendor, IBM, to include a monitoring suite with connections that will monitor every single vendor's stuff across all those platforms, because I imagine that would be a pretty tall order. So stealing my bad cop hat back, does that mean Microsoft has it right all along? Ooh, Darren. What, it, it, in terms of insisting that everything runs on Windows and uses their stuff and that they don't talk to or work with other people's stuff? Yeah, if I can do granular recovery of an individual item, and that relies on using one vendor's stack because, you know, reading between the lines, I think that was your argument is we're IBM, we're not responsible for Oracle or Microsoft SQL Server. And that's a valid point. But the, the counterpoint has to be, well, then doesn't the single vendor solution make more sense in a single discrete recovery option? Uh, well, their point would be valid if, if they ran everything on DB2, they had a solution. But okay. The fact, Fair that, point. the fact the fact that it's it doesn't matter what the the back end database is they don't have a solution that's a problem and ex, con, comparing it to Exchange I think is unfair if you compare well, I, was, I was actually comparing it to say SharePoint is actually where is I was it? going okay yeah. I've not done I've not done restores of SharePoint at all. How bad is that, or how good? It's actually is not. It's it's not too bad now. Again, they've got the same kind of granular recovery technology in SharePoint that they have in Exchange now. So, provided I have a compliant backup system, which Chris mentioned, same with Domino, same with DB2, right? Any transaction log and all that. Provided I've got something like that, I can usually recover 
a discrete piece of data inside of SharePoint more often than not. So here's an alternate point of view. Is this just pushing us all to the cloud? Whether it's to, you know, somebody else hosting the technology like Connections, you know, maybe it's Lotus Live, maybe it's somebody like Promenek or, you know, Connectria or whatever, hosting it for us so we don't have to care about all that underlying management piece. Or perhaps it's to, you know, these software as a service type offerings like, you know, Salesforce or whatever, where all we care about is an application level. Is, is that the direction we're inevitably going to go to because it's almost getting too complex for anybody but the people that actually write the code to manage? Yeah, but and, you're, hold on. you're assuming that they know how to make it work. If I delete something in the cloud, it's probably even worse than if I need to delete <laughs> something local. Yeah, it would be. They'd say, uh, we always use the analogy of Facebook, but if you, if you delete something from Facebook, you don't phone Facebook up and ask them to restore your picture, stroke, um, whatever it is that you've put up there. And that's exactly what we'd get from any other cloud vendor. Yeah, so, go, and, go and delete an email from Gmail, then call Google and ask for it back. Yeah, we'll just get told to where to go, and probably not very politely. <laughs> this comes back to the point that Stuart made earlier about the quality of service or this SLA. You know, it, it comes down to what I said right at the beginning about requirements. You know, if the client requirements are such that we need to provide backup and restore of individual items of content within connections, then if we don't have a solution that can do that today, there's an opportunity, there's a challenge. You know, whether we do it with IBM software or someone else's, software stack to my mind that sounds like a, a hole looking to be filled in, but, but, in in contrast if we don't if we have clients who say well yeah it's just blogging it's just show, social file sharing if i lose stuff then that's no big deal then we don't need to worry about it but i, I think we should have something but as i said i don't think it's going to be a simple solution and i'm not sure whether it's something that it will be easy to put into the connections product stream or for someone be it ibm or another person to come along and say okay, I've written the ultimate backup and monitoring solution for I've been connections across all these platforms. You know, here's and, the opportunity. And, and, uh, and have, have a customer's coming back and uh, a customer's actually sat there under the absolute belief that they cannot get data out of this. Or is it just, are, are, are we in 2011? So I'm sat there in a sales meeting or I'm sat there about the standard contract. It would never occur to me to say, can I recover a discrete piece of data? Because this is 2011, and surely that has been taken care of in an enterprise. Exactly. exactly. They're not asking the question because they assume that that's part of the solution. Right. Um, getting back to something you just said, Darren, about Gmail, you know, do you expect Gmail to restore an email for you? If you go to your Gmail web interface into your contacts, you can actually go to more actions and restore contacts to any point up to the minute within the past 30 days. There's nice. a user interface for normal Gmail users. <laughs> now we need that in connections. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it shows that some vendors are choosing to make that a priority. Uh, whether they surface something like that in Gmail, uh, I don't know if they'll ever do that. But, but it needs to be a priority for the vendor. And if you've got a customer running connections all on AIX, which is IBM hardware, IBM software, running DB2, WebSphere with a Domino database, or even a Tivoli directory, IBM still doesn't provide a way to just recover something in connections pretty easily. Maybe they should get Apple to write a time machine for connections. <laughs> 
just store all the connections data out on a Dropbox folder or something. There you go. <laughs> or in an NSF. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, something I find quite interesting is that you know the argument for not developing new stuff on Domino, not I really want to rehash this again, is, is that it's not enterprise ready in some ways for these large scalable solutions. And yet we kind of seem to be hitting an issue where maybe it's not scalable, but at least it's easy to manage and administer. So there were definitely some positives of doing stuff on Domino, whatever uh, yeah, the downsides were. So I, I think it's a really interesting conversation. I think we kind of have come to the point where we, we, it seems almost as if it's got to be done in the product and, and it's got to be a priority for IBM to do it. And, and, and the, the question that always seems to get raised when we ask for stuff to be added to products is, will it sell more licenses? Is it of net benefit to IBM to do it? And I guess, yeah, that, that really is about, you know, is it hindering us selling connections to not have this stuff in here? Anybody got a feel for that? I think if a, if, if a company figured out early in the sales process or before the contracts have been signed that you cannot do discrete granular recovery, it would put the skids on very fast. It's definitely stopped us rolling it out to our students at the first instance because they are going to delete stuff and they're going to want it back. And currently we can't do that. So potentially we've got 25,000 students that could be using connections that aren't. And that's the kind of thing your answer, gonna, yeah, gonna gonna need to hear, isn't it, to to make it a priority. So, I, I guess we're asking listeners to this call if if this is something you consider to be a priority, we need to make a noise about it. Maybe some ideas on Idea Jam. Maybe tell your IBM reps that you speak to regularly that this is something that's clearly uh, got to be answered. And I, I guess as we look to the future, you know, we're talking about um, Project Falcon, we're talking about social business and connections being a real core part of that. It, it seems like as we look maybe three or four years out, connections is going to be almost the center point of everything we're doing with social collaboration and therefore it's got to be fixed now otherwise how much of a problem is it going to be when we get that far out at some point in time they've got to figure out that companies are going to be running a large portion of their collaboration business on the platform and it's got to be something that they can back up and restore easily and I'm not talking easily by bringing in IBM with 30 people to do it. <laughs> they need to look at foundations, how it did it. Uh, let me tell you, foundations, backup and recovery, which they still own, is really, really nice. But again, at the back end of that, that's the NSF with notes replication. And unless there is that type of replication within the same time, uh, within the connections environment, I, I don't see it easily to being done. And, and did, did that require the foundation's hardware, or is that purely in the software stack? Purely software stack. It basically, it basically did it the same way everybody else who has the, the plugins work. They make a replica of the database, back up the replica. So you never have to bring the server down. It's, and it's the same way VM does it. It's the same way yeah. virtualization does it. And the best thing about it was it did... Um, it did it at whatever increments you wanted to do, and it was a point and click two, two check boxes, and you're done. So it's something anybody could set up and do. And I don't think I don't think IBM wants to sell connections as being that easy. <laughs> 
I'm not sure if I want to go there, Sean. <laughs> I think I might stay away from that hot potato. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting debate, isn't it? Is 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 how easy does it need to be to to be as profitable for IBM as it can be? And and, and that's something that I guess only IBM can answer at the end of the day. Services, 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 baby. Yeah, I say that and I believe that, but I've also talked to some sales guys and. Margins on software sales is a lot higher than margins on services. But look at where the profit comes from. If you look at profit margins, it's a lot better on your software sales for IBM than it is on services sales. So if they made, you know, product that, you know, worked really well, it just sold it, sold it, sold it, maybe that would be better. Okay, well, has anybody got any final points to, to add to this? We're going to move on to our news topics in, in a minute. Is there anything anybody wants to finish with? Don't forget to back up your TDS scripts, too. <laughs> Absolutely, particularly if you've customized them. I should think that's a very big deal. <laughs> Sorry to throw another wrench in there. Well, it, is there a, well, here's the one thing. You know, when we got Deo, so we knew that it was more complicated, one of the things that came out was, okay, if you're going to do your backups, you need to do it in this order. Is there something similar from IBM when it comes to connections? Not that I've seen. I mean, we, we, you know, connect, collaboration matters as a, a lot of connections installs, and we kind of make this up alongside our, our customers for each one because it, it does really depend on their infrastructure and whether they're virtualized or whether they're not or whatever. I haven't seen anything that, that is as prescriptive as that in terms of this is how you back up connections. Dave, have you seen anything along those lines? Not as yet, Stuart, but to be fair, I only really started looking at this a couple of days back when we first got this topic uh, okay. for discussion up on Skype or on Twitter. So, no, I haven't dug into it yet, but it looks, as I said, it looks, it looks like an opportunity waiting to be uh, delivered upon, is my view. I think, Sean, it would be very similar to what you would do with Deos because first you would want to back up the databases and then you want to back up the NLOs or the files that are stored. So it would be similar with connections. You'd back up the database first and then the files in case they were deleted afterwards at least you had the files that existed when the yeah, database I think, I think on unlike Deos the, the, our files are actually backed up because they're just takes it takes snapshots as they go right I, I, I hope uh, you know we might be have files and no database <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I would say is if anyone at IBM wants to talk to us about this i'd be happy to talk to them about what we require from a backup and restore point of view because you know we haven't got a massively complex environment big enough for them to see what the issues may be and i'm sure sean would do the same if someone would offer to come and help him with his problem well i mean that, that's good to hear and I, I think that's that's the only way that i'd be going to get the feedback they need to to be able to deal with this uh, in a sensible way so it's great that you guys are offering that up so um, th that concludes our, our conversation for this week. We're running out of time. We're over the hour already. So um, so we'll move on. But I'd, I would love to hear people's feedback on this. Uh, please do leave comments on the This Week in Lotus site for this particular uh, episode. We'd love to get a discussion going on what you think is needed for some of these technologies to make them easier to manage. And Quick is just as difficult, by the way. Only, But that's only on Quicker J2EE, right? Well, it's still kind of difficult inside of Quicker D if you do the wrong thing. 
Okay, that's a topic for another topic podcast, topic. I think. So, uh, so let's look at the the other news from around the community this week. Uh, first of all, um, we heard from Joyce Davis and Amanda Bauman that there's now a new short URLs for a lot of the Lotus sites, particularly the documentation and wikis and so on. Something that um, we've been asking for for a while. Anybody seen this or, or tried them this week? Docs.lotus.com. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I've used it as well. Brilliant. Thank God. Glad it, glad they got there in the end. I know it took them a while, but yeah, couldn't have come soon enough, really. I'll be retiring lotusinfocenters.com. I think that, yeah, the docs.lotus.com does exactly what we needed to do. Same with the wikis one. So good work, guys, on getting that through. Um, if there's any additional ones that people want, again, make sure you leave that as a comment on the blogs. It'd be good to get a few more of those added to make things easier to remember and find in the future. Ed Brill blogged this week about Lotus Symphony, um, pointing to a review that suggested that Symphony came third in a um, sort of comparison of, of Office productivity software. Microsoft Office won that, but Symphony came, as I say, a good third in that. Um, you know, Sean, is this something that the customers are using? Are you seeing a lot of take up of Lotus Symphony with the customers you work with? No, I mean it's it's all if they're doing any work, they're doing it in Office. Um, a lot of times they're doing an old office unless they get a new PC that comes with the newer version of office. But, you know, office is everywhere I've, I'm in, but that's, that's the States. I don't know if it's different in Europe. Anybody got else, anything else to add to that? Did you see the review folks? When they said finished third, I thought they meant startup time. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the review and it was, it was Microsoft office finished first and everybody else finished a distant second. But some of the things that were really selling points and, and great features for Office that the reviewer was you know keying on were things that I don't use and don't care about. So I'm not really big into the grammar checker that's within Office. I usually ignore it. That's because you've been using notes for 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> but he seemed to think that was the greatest thing in the world, how it really makes you write better. Well, okay. <laughs> I thought that was school. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I found it interesting they didn't compare it with iWork either on the uh, on the Mac. I would have thought that would be a, a good thing to be comparing stuff against. But, you know, for example, they they included work perfect, uh, Word Perfect Office, which I haven't even heard of for the last you know five ten years. So I don't know where they dug that up from. And that did come like last, right? It was like way down on the list. Hmm. It did. Um, you know, it's a hard sell, right? Free versus office is still a hard sell. People would, wouldn't, don't mind dropping 300 bucks to keep, you know, the same name and being able to open the files and that kind of stuff. And, and that's what Symphony and Open Office have to kind of crack. And, uh, you know, we've tried a couple of times and we've pretty much given up on trying to, you know, pimp Symphony because it's just too hard to sell. A hard sell when I don't make any money is a hard sell indeed. Well, I think I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think a lot of it goes to training, too, because companies don't want to have to retrain all their users for another product. You know, it's kind of like a joke, but I think in the last two years, somebody asked uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton if they could start using Firefox in her department, and she said it would be too expensive. You know, everybody laughs because it's free, but you know, she, there's training issues that companies are really concerned with and user productivity that goes along with that. So I think that's one of the big issues with it as well. China must love that. <laughs> um, something else that's been going on this week um, is the 
what was Wes, uh, now Blackberry World, I think. Um, which, where, where's that been taking place? Anybody knows it? Las, Las Vegas? I think it was Florida, wasn't it? Florida, oh, no. maybe. Not sure. Um, anyway, that was... It used, used to be in Florida. We used to go. Okay. It's been the kind of big public launch of the playbook there. Also, there's a new Blackberry Torch been, um, been uh, launched there as well. Some interesting discussion, really, um, about whether kind of the moves that, that RIM are making with Blackberry is, is going to save the day or whether they're going to continue in the you know, seeming decline that they've been on for the last couple of years. Darren, you're a fairly outspoken <laughs> critic of, of Blackberry. Do you see any change there with, with what they've announced this week? Um, no, you, I, I did say, and I'm going to take credit for this, about nine months ago I said, watch still get the playbook out right in time for Wes, and it'll be a half-baked product. And I was kind of right. Um, now, you know, is some of the stuff they're doing going to save them? You know, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think anyone that's using an iPhone in, in, in the enterprise is maybe already on a good messaging server or just on Traveler, and people aren't really seeing the management of devices maybe that critical because they're bringing them into the workplace now. And, and I, I think there's a, a, a paradigm shift going on, which may make this whole device management thing a, a, a bit moot. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to take hold. Medical law, government, that's still going to be where Blackberry lives. But I think for the rest of the world, everyone's going to kind of go, meh. Well, did you, do you, did you hear about the, them putting out a new version of the Bez server that'll be able to manage your iPhones, your Androids, and your tablets? And they've done this before, right? They had Blackberry Connect, which could do Windows Mobile and Palm. And they... You know, it was a pretty good product and was kind of useful, useful to do push to them devices. And the selling point was really do push to non-Blackberry devices. Well, sorry, that's not a selling point anymore. Device management is, but you know, how many people are really interested in device management anymore? Not none. I don't think I don't think it's they're planning on doing the push stuff. I think it's just the management. I think they're missing the mark again. It's interesting. One of the other things that, that kind of took my eye from, from that conference is, is that they've agreed with Microsoft to have Bing as the default search on Blackberries, which I just don't fathom at all. I mean, not least because you know, Microsoft appear to have jumped in both feet first with Nokia, and, and surely Nokia feel that to be a slightly strange thing for Microsoft to now be doing to, to agree a deal with, with RIM on the Blackberry platform. Seems very odd. I think it was a good idea for RIM, not because I, I think Bing is good, because it's not, but the, the truth of the matter is, if I was a phone manufacturer, I would not be putting my competitor's phone manufacturer's search engine on my phone, right? Because Google are now in the phone business. Why would I put Google on a BlackBerry as a default search engine? I wouldn't. Yeah, if somebody's going to pay me to be something else, I'll listen and I'll take money. Yeah. But, but surely that would make sense if it wasn't Microsoft they're putting on, because Microsoft are a competitor just as much. Yeah, really, uh, Windows Mobile Seven? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there is no there is no real management server for Microsoft either. So, I mean, who, gonna, who else are you going to put on Yahoo or Alta Vista? I mean, really, there's <laughs> two to pick. Right? Ask, ask. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Okay, well, it's an interesting debate. We'll certainly see where RIM goes over the next few months and, and years and, and see whether they're, they're good decisions they've made this week. I'm not so sure, personally. So let's move on to our tips. We finish every episode of This Week in Lotus with a tip from each of our guests. Um, could be a site, a product, a feature that they use on a regular basis. Darren, as usual, do you want to kick us off? 
Yes, yeah, speaking of backups, everyone neglects to back up their laptops and their desktop PCs and when they get thieved or when they leave them in the airport or in the back of a taxi, they're screwed. So I use a product called Acronis, uh, which is a paid-for product, which is very, very good. It allows me to do differential backups of my Windows PCs just to an external USB drive. And then if I get a new PC or I need to go back and get something, it's there. Very impressive. And don't carry that backup drive with you. Because <laughs> yes. when you lose your laptop, you lose your backup drive and everything goes to hell. Very good point, Sean. Thank you for that. And what's your tip, Sean? Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to have a tip. Um, jQuery. Use it, learn it, love it. That's my tip. Okay. Thank you. Short and sweet. That's good. And Chris, what's yours? Uh, there's a open source product called HA Proxy. Uh, link to it in the notes. It's a uh, Really simple to configure load balancer that's very powerful, very fast. Uh, can do HTTP for web traffic, but anything else, uh, any other ports as well. So, for instance, we've got a customer running it to balance quicker for Domino, front end, same time chats, LDAP, iNotes, etc. Uh, you set that up, set up another machine with Heartbeat going on it. Uh, it is Linux based, and you've got a Really great load balancing product. Only limitation is it doesn't do HTTPS. And and have you used the the, the uh, IBM version, the Edge components? How, how does that compare to HA Proxy? Yeah, I was going to tell a story about trying to set up Edge components on Linux, and mm. it just would not work well at all. And it turned out that it was a very specific kernel issue that IBM was wanting to use a specific kernel of Linux <laughs> in order to even let you use the Edge components. So. I threw HA proxy on it, and you know, 15 minutes later, I had a fully functioning proxy server in front of everything. Excellent. That's good to know. We've got the link to the HA proxy uh, site in the show notes, so take a look at that if that's useful to you. Sharon, what's yours? I'm going to recommend our, I say our, because I'm on them, our Skype chats. Um, we've got a connections one, which has got some portal stuff thrown in um there's a same time one and also a quicker one which covers quicker j and quicker d and they're absolutely fantastic just to get quick answers to questions find out what's going on in the world of insert software product here and um and to share your knowledge so if someone's got a problem you may be able to help them um and all the other guys that are interested in the same software products that you are um i use them every day and they're absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Sharon. And uh, th- those Skype chats are really all about, um, you know, communities, just about building sort of small micro communities around the products that can help each other, as you say, and, and just act as backup if you ever need some additional help on, on something yep. you're working on. Um, to get added to those, just contact somebody who's in them. So, um, you know, Sharon or myself uh, or, or Dave, for example, give, give us a shout and one of us can add you into the chat. Uh, as they're all so good for us. They're also good for a sanity check. So if you think that you that you are doing something the right way, you can ask other people whether you are in fact mad or not. And usually they will tell you that you are in fact quite sane. And it's and not it's just instru- the connections. It's no, good for ACDC too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think Skype has a resource plan for those? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but when you log on, Sean, you see all your back chat. You can go back up to a year to see what's what's on there. Until the last person leaves. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. But they're, they're great, those chats. I do highly recommend those as well. So thank you for that, Sharon. And um, Dave, what's your tip? My tip is to get off mute before I try and talk. And uh, my second tip 
is uh, a little plugin that I heard about on a podcast, the Guardian Tech Weekly podcast, one of the uh, the two best podcasts on my iPod behind this one. And the plugin, the uh, the plugin itself is called the HTTPS Everywhere plugin. Runs in Firefox and forces the traffic to certain big sites like Twitter, Facebook, and Google to use SSL rather than HTTP. So it means that all of my secret squirrel stuff is a bit more secret and a bit more squirrely. So nice. HTTPS Everywhere. Details in the show notes. And Dave is wearing his aluminum hat right now as well. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those for uh, for Chrome. I'll have to see if there's a similar uh, plug-in for Chrome that does that too. Good stuff. Thank you, Dave. Firefox. Yeah, that's for, for Firefox. Um, and my tip is the Lotus Forums. Now, most of you hopefully will know about them. Maybe some don't. Um, it's well worth reacquainting you with the forums. There's um, a huge amount of good people in there. You know, we've mentioned the Skype chats. That's good for the kind of um, ad hoc query. But you know, if you've got a real technical problem, the forums are the place to go. We've got a link to them in the show notes. My tip is really um, replicate them in your notes client. If you're a notes user, um, get uh, your ID um, authenticated against the IBM servers. Replicate them there. That way you'll, you'll carry around those forums with you wherever you go. Even if you're disconnected, it's a really good way of, of having your own kind of knowledge base to go back to if you hit a problem. So links in the show notes to both of those things. So thank you for those tips. That's great. And let's finish off just quickly, very quickly going around the table. What's your Twitter ID? If you don't have a Twitter ID, where's your uh, blog? And, and then we'll finish the podcast. So Darren, how do people find you? blog.darrenduke.net for all things technical. Darren Duke, all one word for my 140-character Twitter rants. And also remember, the IBM Champions program closes in, what, 10 days, I guess, something like that. Get your votes in. Brilliant. And Sean? Uh, I'm Figment on Twitter, P-H-I-G-M-E-N-T. You can hit me off of my uh, company's address, asndesigns.com. And I'm available on Skype and all the other bleed yellow and places like that. So if you need me, you can find me. Terrific. Thanks for joining us today, Sean. It's been great speaking to you. And Chris, how do people find you? On Twitter, I am C Wisnet, C W H I S O N A N T. Uh, I have a blog at Bleed Yellow. Uh, you can get to it at lotusnut.gbs.com. That'll take you over there. And uh, um, usually on the same time on Bleed Yellow as well. Uh, Skype too, so anywhere you need me, you can probably find me somehow. Excellent. Well, thank, thanks for joining us today, Chris. Been uh, you know longing to have somebody from GBS on on this podcast for a long time, so it's great to finally cross that one off our list. So so good to have you on today, Chris. Thank you. And I appreciate it, Stuart. Sharon, how do people find you? Um, I'm pretty much still technical everywhere, um, except for my blog, which is socialshazza.com. Um, yeah, so I'm still technical. D I L F technical. Brilliant. And I won't tell you what it stands for because it's rude. <laughs> Save that one for kimonos. Next one to spare. Old Ben Chapman, he'll tell you what it stands for. <laughs> okay. And Dave Hay, what's, how do people uh, track you down? Thanks, Stuart. So on Twitter and on Skype, I'm David underscore Hay, H-A-Y. And I have a blog, portal2, portal.blogspot.com. I think that'll be in the show notes as well. It will indeed. So thank you to all of you for joining. I'm Stuart McIntyre. Track me down on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre. Um, hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week for a final pre-UK Lug episode. And then uh, we'll also be celebrating our year's anniversary at UK Lug with a live show. So look out for more details of all those things in the coming days. Uh, until next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye.
All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. This Week in Loads is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash audible for all the details. You faded out quite a bit, or at least you had like long pauses. <laughs> this and that's could, not this like could Sharon. Be fun, Sharon doesn't do pauses. <laughs> no, I don't do pauses. 